0: <laughs> and laughs Theater of the Mind The best love programs from radio's golden age Only on Zoomer Radio Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor
1: Well, thank you, and welcome to the show Tonight, we start with a visit from Fibber McGee and Molly Played by Jim and Marion Jordan, real-life husband and wife Their show originated when the small-time husband and wife, Fudvillians, began their third year as Chicago-area radio performers. Now, in their Luke and Mirandi Farm Report program, Jim played a farmer who was given to tall tales and face-saving lies for comic effect. In the weekly comedy The Smith Family, Marion's character was an Irish wife of an American police officer. These characterizations, plus the Jordans' change from being singers, musicians, to comic actors— pointed toward their future. It was also at WENR where the Jordans met Donald Quinn, a cartoonist who was then working in radio, and the couple hired him as their writer in 1931. They regarded Quinn's contribution as really important and, in fact, included him as a full partner. The salary for the program Smack Out and Fibber McGee and Molly was split between the Jordans and Quinn. While working on the uh, WENR Farm Report, Jim Jordan heard a true story about a shopkeeper from Missouri whose store was brimming with stock, yet he claimed to be smack out of whatever a customer would ask him for. For station uh, WMAQ in Chicago beginning in April of 31... The trio created Smack Out, a 15-minute daily program that centered on, guess what, a general store and its proprietor, Luke Gray, played by Jim, a storekeeper with a penchant for tall tales and a perpetual dearth of whatever his customers wanted. He always seemed to be smack out of it. Marion Jordan portrayed both a lady named Marion and a little girl named Teenie, as well as accompanying the program on piano. You know, during the show's run, Marion Jordan voiced a total of 69 different characters. Here's an episode that first aired in
2: 1940. The Johnson Wax program with Fever McGee and Molly. <laughs> Makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's self-polishing glow coat present Marion and Jim Jordan as Bibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, the King's Men, and Billy Mills Orchestra. The show opens with I Know That You Know. <laughs> has selected a prominent speaker to deliver an oration next Thursday on George Washington and His Ideal. And here in the living room at 79 Wistful Vista, rehearsing his speech, we find Febber McGee
3: and Molly. Let us look back at those fearful days at get, uh, uh, bull, uh, or, uh, Valley Forge When discouraged and ragged, a little band of faithful men listened to their leader as he talked to them across the campfires America's first fireside chat
4: <laughs>
3: My friend, he says
5: Maggie, what on earth are you talking about?
3: I'm rehearsing my speech, Molly Men, we must cross the Delaware tonight One if by land, two if by sea.
5: Stop your malarkey now, Fibber McGee. (laughs) What'd you
3: say? What's this all about? I told you, it's my speech. I'm talking on the subject of George Washington and his ideals in front of a large and important group next Thursday morning. Oh. Hey, uh, how's this for a gesture when I talk about crossing the Delaware? With my hand up to my forehead like this, like I was looking into the distance. Mm -hmm.
4: (laughs)
5: You look like a sinus headache looking for an asperg. And uh, who is this large and important group you're going to dazzle with your electrocution?
3: It's... It's elocution, not electrocution.
5: I know it. I was just pulling a switch. <laughs> and
3: if you must know, I'm speaking to the Wistful Vista Grammar School pupils.
5: Mm, heavenly days. The whole student body?
3: Well, No. Just the fourth grade.
5: (laughs) Ah, the poor little things. And what time of the day will this leaking gas be detected?
3: At 11.30 a.m. 11.30? Yes,
5: sir. Do you mean those innocent little kiddies have to take that stuff on an empty stomach?
3: Oh, Molly, I suppose you don't think I'll do right by George.
5: By George, I don't think you could. Molly,
3: you surely you ain't accusing me, Fibber McGee, your own husband, of, of, of toying with the truth.
5: Toying with it? <laughs> You'd make a municipal playground of it. Did you ever tell the truth for one solid hour? Why, of course I did.
3: McGee? Well, I bet I could if I wanted to.
5: <laughs> What'll you bet? Anything. All right. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll bet you a box of cigars against that fur coat I've been wanting that you can't tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the
3: truth for one hour. A box of cigars against that fur coat? Right. Well, as the castor oil says, when it heard the baby whimper, I think I've been taken. <laughs> but okay, I'll do it.
5: It's a bet. You betcha. <laughs> It's 2 o'clock, and for the next 60 minutes, you tell nothing but the truth. Right. And I don't think I'm going to like it, either. <laughs> well, you've made your bet. Now, don't lie in it. <laughs> now, remember, for one whole hour, you will have
3: to... Somebody at the door, Molly. You answered my foot's asleep. Is that the truth? Well, no. The truth is, I'm just too lazy.
6: <laughs> now, we're getting somewhere. Well... Come in. Hello there, daughter. Hello, Johnny. Wanna buy a couple of cut rate tickets for skiing lessons? Or do you know how to ski already? Who <laughs> me know how
3: to ski? Why well, say, when it comes to skiing, old timer. Lots the uh, cigars against that fur coat, McGee. <laughs> oh. As I was saying, old timer, when it comes to skiing, I'm probably the dumbest guy that ever slapped a slope. <laughs> I'm awful. Too fat, too clumsy, too left feet. I'm hopeless.
6: Yes, I'm in the wrong studio, folks. I thought this was the Fibber
3: McGee program.
5: <laughs> well, it is, Mr. Old Timer. My husband has just made a bet to tell the truth for one hour.
3: And believe me, the next 55 minutes are going to crawl around, crawl around like a beetle with a bunion. <laughs> Oh, well, if nobody ever stuck their neck out, they'd make Pullman windows easier to open. <laughs> I made it. <laughs> <laughs> That's
6: pretty good, Johnny. But that ain't the way I heard it. <laughs> the way I heard it, one feller says to tell feller, Say, says, You got any idea how the Fibber McGee program ranks these days? Nope, says Telefeller, but it sure is, ain't it? (laughs) Well, Johnny, if the truth gets too tough for you, (laughs) remember George Washington. The reason he wore a three cornered hat was because he was always getting backed into a corner. (laughs) So long,
4: kid. (laughs) Thank you.
3: The time goes so slow. When will my hour be up, Molly? I'll get it. Hello? Yes? Huh? Oh, you're taking a radio poll, eh? Oh, I see. What? Well, have I, have I got to answer that, bud? <laughs> okay, uh, <laughs> I hate to say it, but, uh, I think Fibber McGee and Molly is the best program on the air. <laughs> yeah, okay, bud. <laughs>
5: Isn't conceit. Of all the peanut-fed, hickory-smoked, sugar-cured hams I ever heard...
3: Wait a minute, Molly. That ain't fair. I had to tell the truth, didn't I? Oh, dear Who's that there at our door?
5: Wait till I peek out the window. Oh, it's Mrs. Eppinson.
3: Oh, you mean old 395?
5: Why 395?
3: <laughs> That's as close as she'll ever get to the 400. <laughs> Don't you get it, Molly? I said... Ain't the... funny, McGee. Okay.
5: How do you do, Mrs. Uppington? So nice to see you. Oh,
7: and how do you do, Mrs. McGee? And Mr. McGee. Hi, Uppy. Well, what seems to be the trouble with you today, Mr. McGee? You don't seem as cheerful as
5: usual. Uh, he has a slight cramp in his style, Mrs.
7: Uppington. Oh, really? Nay, it must have been something he ate. <clears throat> I thought it strange to see Mr. McGee so silent.
3: He's he's usually so uh, so loquacious. What do you mean, loquacious? I ain't touched a drop since New Year's Eve.
5: <laughs> no, she means Gabby. Gabby. <laughs> oh.
3: <laughs>
5: yes.
7: As Maestro Mills was saying to me last night, Mr. McGee was born with a silver spoon in his mug, and there's been something funny stirring there ever since. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, really? I thought that was so whimsical. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll like
3: I catch up with that guy. I'll wham the whimsy out of him.
7: Oh, <laughs> now, Mr. McGee, really, I didn't mean that. I huh? uh, Well, um, what I came over for, Mr. McGee, was to get your opinion of my new hat. Oh, tell me, how do you like it? It just arrived from Paris. Oh, why, it's simply divine.
0: It really is.
7: So uptown, so, so, uh, chick uh, 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 do you like it, Mr. McGee? Huh? Uh,
3: you want the truth, Uppy? <laughs> Why, uh, yes. Yes, I do. Okay, you asked for it. Puppy, that hat Ah uh, Oh, is... uh,
5: McGee. Huh? Will you get me a glass of water? I think I feel a little faint. Oh,
3: my, you
7: poor dear. Why don't you sit down there? Uh, but getting back to that hat.
3: <laughs> you better sit down, too, Uppy. <laughs>
5: Uh, before he says anything, Mrs. Uppington, let me warn you. Never take McGee literally. He always means just the opposite.
7: Oh, then yeah. right. <laughs> how quaint. But I'm sure i am value his opinion. Now go on,
3: Miss McGee. Okay, Uppy. I think that hat is marvelous. Oh. It's the most becoming hat you ever wore. Makes you look 20 years younger.
5: Well, heavenly
3: day. Oh,
7: Mr. McGee, do you really think so? Oh, Oh, my goodness.
3: (laughs) 20 years
7: younger? Oh, really? Well, oh, oh, you always mean the opposite of what you say. So you mean that I look 20 years older. (gasps) Well, goodbye.
5: all the bet off. It's too
3: nerve-wracking. Why, Molly, you mean you want me to lie about things?
5: Yes, I do. I mean, no, I don't. That is, I don't want you to lie when, uh, well, at least you might be diplomatic. Oh, why did I ever start this thing? (laughs) What makes you so contrary? I
3: ain't contrary. I'm just keeping my word. When Fibber McGee says he'll do something, he's going to do it in spite of you can't say it on the radio or high water or something like that there.
4: Oh. Mr. Depopolis.
3: Oh, hi, Nick. What's on your mind? Hello, Cupid. Hello,
6: Fizzer. I'm making a goodwill detour because I'm trying to find out why my customer is staying away from my candy kitchen in such a big crowd.
4: <laughs> if
6: all the people who are not doing business with Depopolis are laying end to end, I'd step on his face. <laughs>
5: I'm sure I don't know why your business is so bad, Mr. DePopolis. Well, I
3: know. You do, Fizzer? You betcha.
6: Then tell me what is wrong before I'm going into bankruptcy.
5: Oh, uh, McGee, please don't.
3: Now, look, Nick. In the first place, your sandwiches are too thin. Oh, People that eat in your joint don't pry a sandwich apart to see what kind it is. They just hold it up to the light. Oh, I'll
6: be a little more pacific, Fizzer. What kinds of sandwiches are you referring to?
3: Well, you're minced ham. You're minced olive sandwiches for one.
6: Oh, well, it is hard to mince an olive, so it is making a decent showing between two slices of bread.
5: I think Mr. DiPopolis's candy is very good, McGee.
3: Oh, yeah. Well, while I'm telling the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, let me tell you what I think of his candy. Sure, go ahead, Fizzer. But be kind
6: to my chocolate rabbits. They might be somebody's mother. <laughs>
3: Okay, forget the candy. But that chicken salad of yours, that, that, that's awful. Is
6: that sure? Yes, that's sure. DePopolis all. chicken salad is made out of the finest tuna fish money can buy.
5: Why, of course it is,
6: Mr. DePopolis. McGee, now
5: you've
3: said enough. I ain't said half enough. Nick, your coffee shop is the place where every good little soda mint tablet wants to go when it dies.
4: <laughs>
3: Do I make myself plain? plain, yes. you make yourself positively ugly.
6: Fisher. <laughs> you and I are always being a bosom friend, but one more smart cracks from you, and one bosom is finding a carving knife in itself, and guess who? <laughs> so long, <Sophie. laughs>
5: You've done it again Done what? Broken up another Beautiful friendship With your brutal frankness.
3: Ah So you're beginning to see What telling the truth Really means, eh? But uh, that's the way mind the time I was Elephant hunting in Africa I was up on a high Oh, hold on
4: <laughs>
3: What am I talking about? i never been in Africa
5: <laughs> Nice recovery, dearie Oh,
3: thanks the chest. Well, hello there, folks. Say, hey, I hear Fibber's going to make a speech at
2: the uh, grammar school pupils on Washington's birthday. Yes,
5: he is, Mister Wilcox. How do you know?
2: Well, I just came from the school. Oh. I had to make a speech there myself to the class in domestic science. I.
4: See. Oh,
3: you did, eh? Huh? Well, what was your subject, Mister Wilcox? Said he, with a sly wink at Racine, Wisconsin. <laughs> Well, I
2: talked on the subject of uh, Too Many Cooks Can't Spoil the linoleum When It's Protected with Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat. Cute title, isn't it?
5: <laughs> Very. If it leaves any time for your speech.
2: Well, I didn't need much time. I just told the pupils how they could keep their kitchen so much more clean and bright and cheerful with Johnson's Low Coat. That's right. Because if they spilled a little gravy or a gob of goulash on the linoleum, they could just wipe it off with a damp cloth, you see. That's absolutely correct. Oh, of course, Johnson's Low Coat was an old story to most of those youngsters. Their mothers have been using it for years. And Mr.
6: Wilcox is absolutely right.
3: It's true, every word of it. What?
5: He said everything you've been saying is true, Mr. Wilcox. You
3: bet you, It certainly is. Well, I'll be a...
2: You mean I could come in here and talk about our product without being subject to a lot of heckling that... My gosh, I've seen everything now. So awful. <laughs>
5: It's all very well to tell the truth But do you have to work so hard at it And frighten all our friends?
3: Molly, when I say I'll do something, I do it No halfway stuff with me
5: I'll, I'll answer it, McGee I'm getting afraid to have you talk to anybody No,
3: sir, I'll talk to him myself I feel kind of tough today You like the organ grinder That always went around with a chimp on his shoulder <laughs> Hello? Who? No, Mr. Gildersleeve isn't here, Mrs. Gildersleeve No, I ain't seen him since, oh, well, since last Wednesday. In the stationery store when he was buying you that valentine. Huh? Oh, you know, Mrs. Gildersleeve, that big, lacy valentine with the red hearts. How'd you like it? Huh? Oh, you didn't get it?
5: For goodness sakes, McGee, now don't...
3: What say, Mrs. Gildersleeve? Oh, sure, your husband even wrote a little poem on it for you. Sure, I can remember it word for word. It says, "Here's to your eyes, as blue as the skies. Here's to your hair, so gold and fair. When you're away, I always grieve. Your Valentine, signed Gildersleeve." <laughs> uh, uh, hello? Hello? She hung up on me.
5: Regine. Huh? You know what you've done? What you mean? Mrs. Gildersleeve has black hair and brown eyes.
3: What? <laughs> Well, I had to tell the truth, didn't I? <laughs> boy, will she have something to say to old Trocky when he gets home.
4: <laughs>
3: well, you know what Confucius said about that. What
4: did Confucius say?
3: Confucius say a man who... Uh, but wait a minute. The king's men can tell you better. Okay, boy, Tell them what Confucius say. <laughs>
4: Years ago in Park cafe, there lived a man therein. Had a many things he know, and those he don't, he take again, the Like he make you talk, talk, call, he's same like Mr. Wally Winchell. And you just say, a bought a girl a moon.
2: Bells ring out in month of June. Wee, wee. Ding dong. Confucius say A girly act too shine. Boy never say Good night, he says, Good night, Oh, Old Confucius, very very wise, bring confusion in disguise. All day long, he sing a song and mumble in his beard. All little China boys, what he say, never learn a chop chop thing.
4: Confucius says, All chorus girls are grand. Well, always write them letters in the sand. Confucius say, if you write love in note, uh-uh, you'll have to write big for one iceberg code, ming chinchilla. Old Confucius better than his heart, all the way to Curly's heart. All day long he's sits and think, he real Joe Miller king. He make a
2: wisecrack long ago, now same wisecracks on the radio. He's sticky neck way out, when him a clever so-and-so. Confucius say, a wolf is at your door. Remember, he made nice rugs for the floor.
6: Confucius,
2: say cheer up and thank your star. Things couldn't be as awful as they are. Ooh, Confucius ooh, comes staggering ooh, home one ooh, night and four. Ooh, Confucius' ooh, wife waited to meet him at the door. A furious wife of a rolling pin Don't bother Confucius at all Confucius thought must bear With his back against the wall Confucius say Dad, read the dad, read it, dad, it dad, it, dad Read it anyhow Confucius lived to Zoom radio So no can broadcast yes, all these things he
4: knows But if Confucius came alive today
6: Confucius say I'm Johnson's wax. remember what can you just say Hey
4: Molly,
3: how much longer have I gotta go on this truth business?
5: Well not long, dearie, about eight minutes. Can you hold out? Oh, well, I don't
3: know. I'll try, but
5: then...
3: Oh, dear. Come in. Oh, hello there, little girl.
8: Hi, mister. What you doing, Huh? Hmm?
3: <laughs> ah, just marking time, sis. Waiting for Tempest to Fugit, you might say. <laughs> hmm? I says I'm waiting for Tempest to Fugit. That's Latin. Tempest Fugit means
8: time flies, see? gee. How, how do you ever do it? How do you do what? Time flies.
3: <laughs> Look, sis, I ain't timing a fly. I'm telling it. That... Oh, never mind.
8: All righty. Will you tell me a story, mister, please? And will you, please, mister? Do you tell dandy stories, I bet you?
3: <laughs> Why, sure, sis. I ever tell you about the time I popped the bear single handed?
8: Did you really?
3: Did I? Well, sir, here was this great big bear.
8: Hey, do you remember the fur coat?
3: Yeah. This bear had a coat of fur so long. Huh? Oh, 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 the fur coat. Oh, you know. Uh, well, I'm sorry, sis. The bear I meant was a little teddy bear, and I was only three years old at the time, and he got the best of me at that. I'm
8: sorry. Mm, that wasn't a very good story, I'll bet Well, I know,
3: but I'm working under a kind of a handicap today. <laughs> See me tomorrow, sis. You go on home and get your mother to tell you a story.
8: I can't. Why not? She isn't home, I betcha. She went downtown to buy a snood. A what? A snood. You know what a snood is, don't you? A
3: snood? What Uh,
8: is it? My daddy says it's a buckle that a woman wears on her brains. Oh, Well...
3: Your old man is such a wit. Let him tell you a story.
8: He isn't home either. He's downtown buying a monster.
3: A monster? Go on, you can't buy a monster.
8: You can, too, I bet you.
3: Oh, no, you can't.
8: Oh, yes, you
3: can. Oh, no, you can't.
8: Oh, yes, you can
3: Oh, don't give me that stuff, sis. Where can anybody buy a monster?
8: At the Bonton department store. They're having a monster sale today only. Go on, mister. I
3: think I'll wait for dollar day and go down and buy a few bucks.
4: <laughs>
3: now let's see. Oh. <laughs> What did I do with my speech? Oh, here it is. And so, kiddies, you must all try and pattern yourselves. Come in.
2: Now, look here, McGee. You've interfered in my life
3: once too often. Now, 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 take it easy, Gildersleeve. And quit pointing that gun at me. I can explain everything. Or can I?
5: Now, uh, you see, Mr. Gildersleeve,
3: McGee thought... McGee
2: never thought in his life.
3: Oh, is that so? You can't talk to my wife like that about me.
2: <laughs> I can't, eh? No. I'm a desperate man, McGee.
3: You're trying to break up my home. Huh? You told my wife I sent a valentine to another woman. I never know such a thing. I told her you sent it to her. But I didn't send it to her. I sent it to my Aunt Fanny. <laughs> yes, yes. Your Aunt Fanny.
2: Oh, so help me, McGee. That's the truth. But my wife won't believe it. And just for the trouble you caused me, McGee, I'm going to take my
3: revenge right now.
6: Ah, put down that gun, please,
3: Mr. Gildersleeve. It's too late. Now wait, Gildersleeve. You wouldn't shoot a guy with glasses on, would you? Where's my glasses,
4: Molly? <laughs>
3: One side, Mrs. McGee. I'm not a very good shot.
4: <laughs> One! Oh, dear, what have I done?
3: Two! You'll know in a minute, Molly.
4: <laughs> oh,
5: thank goodness. McGee, your time is up.
3: Wowie, I'm safe. Safe? What is it? Now really? look, Gildersleeve, here's what happened. This whole thing was a joke, a frame up. <laughs> I planned this whole thing with your wife just for a laugh, you see. You did, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not really. Sure. The whole thing was a gag. (laughs) Now you go on back home and ask her. I'll do that, McGee. You bet. (laughs) Oh
2: boy, what a relief! My goodness, I certainly bit on this one. (laughs) You did not. You should have heard what she called me, McGee, and to think it was just a joke. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to have a scene, Mrs. McGee So long, Fibber You old rascal <laughs> <laughs> Oh,
4: dear,
7: oh dear Ah, oh, where
3: was I? Oh, yes And so, kiddies You must all try to pattern yourselves after George Washington Even as I have myself Oh, what's the... Why, year? from the time I was a little child I was the most... seconds without telling a lie. (laughs)
4: That's right.
5: Yep,
3: and it's a load off my mind, too.
5: What do you mean? Well, now I
3: don't have to buy you that fur coat.
5: That's right, you won't. (laughs) What're
3: you laughing at, Molly?
5: I cannot tell a lie, McGee. I bought that fur coat
4: yesterday. (laughs) Uh,
5: Good night. Good night, all. (laughs)
2: This is Harlow Wilcox speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat, inviting you all to join us again next Tuesday night at this same time. Good night.
1: Stay tuned for Hop Along Cassidy next on Theatre of the Mind. You're listening to Theatre of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Time now for William Boyd as Hop Along Cassidy.
9: With action and suspense out of the Old West comes the most famous hero of them all, Hopalong Cassidy, starring William Boyd. (laughs) The ring of the silver spurs harrows the most amazing man ever to ride the prairies of the early West. Hopalong Cassidy, the same hoppy you cheer in motion pictures, and the same California you've laughed at a million times. Raw courage and quick shooting have built a legend around this famous hero. Hopalong is a name to be feared, respected, and admired. For this great cowboy rides the trails of adventure and excitement. William Boyd as Hopalong Cassidy and Andy Clyde as California. Well, Hoppy, what about our story?
10: Several folks have asked me how I found so much adventure in those early days of the West. The answer is, there was always plenty for a man to do just minding his own business. But sometimes trouble popped up when you least expected it. I remember one time California and I'd been riding across the hills under the burning sun, and suddenly we came on the prettiest little stream shaded by some cottonwoods. Now, if you weren't in any particular hurry, what would you do in a case like that? (laughs) Yeah, you guessed it, and that's just what California and I were doing. Oh, this feels good. You can <laughs> Ain't nothing like a good swim to eat a man's bones when he's been riding along as we have up here. Uh, here, yeah, come on. I'll give you a hand up this slick bag. Yeah. Mm. Uh, hey, this is slicker. Now, where in did we put our clothes? Well, we drifted downstream quite a ways. Oh, there they are, hanging on that bush up there. Up we go. Ah. Uh, well, here's yourself, Hoppy, and here... Well, well, I'll be hornswoggled. the schwaggled. What do you got there, California? Looks like some low-down sneaking coyote took off with my clothes and left his. Ha, 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 ha. Well, if they fit, you got the best of the bargain. Nice black Stetson, black boots, black string tie, mighty fancy. Uh, they, they, <laughs> they seem to fit all right, and... My duds was getting stiff enough to walk off for themselves anyway. <laughs> Reckon that's what happened, Hoppy? <laughs> see, see, uh, look at what's in this pocket. Looks like a black mask to me. And it's got fresh blood on it. And, Hoppy, this colt uh, it ain't mine. And it's just been fired. Uh, what do you make of this, Hoppy? Looks pretty plain to me now, and I don't like it. There's been a shooting, maybe a killing. You hear that, Hoppy? I sure do. Well, there they are. If that ain't a posse, Hoppy, then I'm a ring-tailed skunk. Well, it's a posse, all right. They're moving fast enough to be following a fresh trail. I'm powerful anxious to meet up with a gent wearing black clothes, if I figure, right? Well, what are we waiting for? Let's get a go. and You're Hoppy. in a tight spot, California, but you'd be in a worse spot if you ran. We've got to explain what really happened. Uh, yeah, and, and if they don't believe someone fritz clothes with me, uh, then what? The uh, way they're riding, they mean business. Here's what we'll do. You stay and try to explain. The posse hasn't sighted us yet, and I'll slip around back of these cottonwoods. If they don't believe you, I'll make my play. Hurry. Uh, they're starting around the river band. That's it, Hoppy. And, uh, Hoppy, if they start dragging out a hemp neck stretcher... Don't worry, California, don't worry.
9: Now, back to Hopalong Cassidy and the Killer in Black. Hoppy's pal, California, is in real danger being found in those black clothes. But Hoppy insists that California try to explain his way out of it. That's better than starting to run when he hasn't done anything wrong, Hoppy figures. And anyway, Hoppy's standing by to see that his pal gets a fair chance.
10: All right, you crawling killer. I'd sure hate to
11: bug you when so many's waiting to see your next stretch.
10: But don't you make no fancy moves. Oh no, no Sheriff, uh, I ain't the man you're looking for. I know it looks awful funny me dressed in this black. But ain't suit, nothing but... funny about the way you killed old Bill Ryan. Huh? Didn't never always agree with what he wrote in that weekly gazette. But no square editor ever set a stick of type. Uh, maybe so, get with on me, that hook uh, of uh, yours there. Uh, Taking you in. Right. Yeah. No, no, wait, 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 wait a minute, Sheriff. Like I was telling you, I was swimming in this here creek, and when I
11: got out, somebody had tucked my clothes and left these. I never shot nobody. I, you uh, get your
10: chance to tell that one in court, mister, but I'm afeard the jury will just die laughing.
11: Now,
10: get up on that horse. No, 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 sir. just let me tell you, Sheriff.
11: You, 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 you got to believe Shut me, up. Sheriff. Uh,
10: get him up, Sheriff, I got the uh, tell like you. And next time, I'm not shooting in front of your feet. Don't know what you think you're doing back in them bushes, stranger. But you ain't getting away with this. I'm not doing bad so far, am I, Sheriff? California, take up a collection of shooting irons. So that's the name, huh? Seems I've seen that face before, too. I've got it. You're the California that's a wrangler over at the Bar 20. Well, you won't get away with this. This is necessary, Sheriff. Start walking back to that butte over there, all of you. And don't look back. When you get there, turn your horses around and walk walk 'em back. Your six shooters will be here waiting. You're gonna regret this, mister. Start walking, Sheriff. All right, I'll walk it. Out. Oh no, you done it, hockey. Let my name slip out. No reason to hide your name, California. No, it's... The sheriff thinks I killed a and Once he ever catches up with me, he, uh, he ain't exactly gonna love me. And especially after this play of yours. Well, I hate to cross up the law, but this lawman was blind. If they'd taken you in, I don't think you'd have had a chance. Maybe I ain't got one anyways. Well, uh, well, uh, what do we do now, Huffy? Do? What would any man do? We got to find the killer before the law closes in. Well, quit talking about the law closing in and think of something. I've got it. Maybe it's a good thing the sheriff does know your name. He'll head for the bar twenty and the- that don't make me feel any better, Hoppy. That means he can't get back to Kyle Junction much before morning, Hoppy. Uh, Hoppy, you wouldn't mean that me and you are going back into town with me wearing these duds? We've got some nosing around to do, and that's the place to do it. It'll be dark, and I'll find some way to sneak you into a hotel room. The sooner we make Kyle Junction, the better. high up here and I'm gonna get a room. You go around back to the hotel and wait. If I can't get the right kind of room in a few minutes. I'll come back there. Right, Hoppy. Do your best. You got a room on the first floor, friend? Uh, Something for a crippled gent so he doesn't have stairs to climb?
11: I got a room right in the street if you want it.
10: Well, I wanted something quiet.
11: Well, for something quiet, uh, better take room
10: four back on the alley. Hey, what was you to think if I told you there was a killing here this afternoon? Why, uh, why you're kidding. Oh, I ain't a kidding either.
11: Some farmer stuck a coat in old Bill Ryan's rib and told him to hand over his money.
10: And what did Mr. Ryan do?
11: Why, old Bill waded right into the guy. Wouldn't take orders from nobody. Took a slug in the shoulder, another in the hip. Just kept moving in.
10: My, my.
11: Finally, the third slug caught him in the gizzard. And his poor wife's in the back room, seen it all.
10: You don't say. Well, if it's that rough around here, I'd better take the quiet room on the alley.
11: Uh, yeah. Well, just sign your room on this line here.
10: There. That ought to do it.
9: Yeah, here's the key. And straight back in the hallway there.
10: Say, uh, uh, isn't it kind of funny the hold-up man didn't stick up the bank? Uh, not much money in a newspaper office.
11: Well, that's so funny if you know this town. Banks been robbed so much, they got three sheriff's deputies working as clerks,
10: waiting for the hold-up men to come back. Besides, so old Bill Ryan kept his bank rolling on his hip, and everybody knew it. Oh, I see. Well, good night, friend. I want the clerk to know I'm having a visitor. Come on, come on. Here you go. I'm leaving you in here, and don't you set foot outside this room. You got it? Sure, sure. But uh, where are you going, Hoppy? You got anything to work, on? Huh? Well, a little, thanks to the hotel clerk. How international. Old Bill Ryan didn't trust banks. Carried his money in his pocket. An outsider wouldn't know that, but a local man would. Mm-hmm. That's pretty slick, Hoppy, but uh, where do you go from there, even if it was a local hombre? There was a witness to the Killing. Bill Ryan's own wife. Oh, a poor woman. Well, well wish you a Hoppy. Thanks, California. But remember, keep the door locked and stay inside.
4: <laughs>
10: I. I hated to break in on you, Mrs. Ryan, knowing your sorrow, but, but I know you want the real killer brought to justice. It's exactly the way I told it. The same man that killed your husband is the one who switched clothes with my partner, California.
12: You... you sound sincere, Mr. Cassidy. Well, I do believe you. But if California didn't kill my husband, then who did?
10: I don't know yet, Mrs. Ryan. But you can help me. Will you... will you try?
12: You bet I'll try. What do you want me to do?
10: Mrs. Ryan, your husband was a man who believed in printing the truth. The sheriff told me that much.
12: He was a crusader, Mr. Cassidy. He loved this town and wanted it kept clean. When he saw evil things, he did his duty.
10: Even if it meant making a few people angry?
12: Yes, that's true. Nick Lyman, for one. Nick owns the Lucky Chance Casino.
10: And what did he print about Lyman?
12: That you could watch Nick Lyman's roulette wheel all night and never see a winner.
10: Well, the sheriff sure had it right about your husband's courage.
12: Yes. And the sheriff was a mite put out himself. With election coming on, Bill was making some pretty pointed references to the wave of bank robberies we've been having. And... There's one more person who didn't like Bill.
10: Who's that, Mrs. Rimes?
12: Sam Fleeson, the banker's son-in-law.
10: How does he fit into the picture?
12: All three of the holdups this last month were during the noon hour when Sam was alone in the bank.
10: Hmm. Maybe the bandit figured he had a good thing.
12: Maybe. But my husband didn't think Sam put up enough of a fight.
10: Well, let's supply Sam Fleeson with a motive, too. Now, uh, he wouldn't just happen to be a fellow who wears an all-black outfit. Black tie, black stetson.
12: I don't think that'll help much, Mr. Cassidy. True, Sam Fleason wears an outfit like that. But so does every other clerk in the bank. And so does Nick Lyman when he's at the Lucky Chance. So, I'm afraid you're right back where you...
10: Something's what? happening down the street. Hard to tell what.
12: I'll throw out the lamp so we can see better. What? It looks like a mob. And, and they're heading right this way.
10: They sure are. And there's a lot of them.
12: They're all following the sheriff right up to the jail.
10: So they are, Mrs. Ryan, so they are. They're still
12: milling around outside that jail. I can't imagine... Mrs. Ryan,
10: if you'll excuse me, I'm going down there. But
12: why, Mr. Cassidy? Because the
10: sheriff wasn't alone, Mrs. Ryan. My partner, California, was handcuffed to him.
9: And now, back to Hopalong Cassidy and The Killer in Black. California has been led into the jail, and an angry mob mills about threateningly outside, eager to avenge
10: the murder of Bill Ryan. Now, uh, what do you want? I just happened to see you bringing a friend of mine, Sheriff. And you ain't very particular about your friends. This one happens to be a killer. That's your idea. I've got mine. Talking kind of big, ain't you? I happen no to be... No offense, Sheriff. Right now, I'd like to talk to my friend. Maybe he wants a lawyer. Lawyer? The way that mob sounds, I'm afraid there's no time nor use for a lawyer. I'm going back there, Wait Sheriff. a minute, stranger. I never forget a voice. You're the gent who was hiding in the brush this afternoon. But, Sheriff, I can... Oh, wait a minute. Hand over your gun. I got you covered. Turn around and back over here, gentle-like. Well, looks like you got me, Sheriff. I'll go to my cell, peaceable. You want to see your pal California, huh? Mm. Well, you
11: can have a nice visit,
3: because you're going to be in the same cell with him.
10: Now, inside with you. I sure hate to do this, but... You should never put your six-shooter away when you're locking a cell door. Nice work, Hoppy. Catch him, California. Easing him down gentle. Yeah. Oh, you sure nailed him. Uh, but from the way he's breathing, he ain't going to be out too long. Why'd you leave the hotel, California? Well, uh, well, uh, I heard a noise and looked outside. And there was a fellow carrying a bundle. A bundle of my clothes. And headed straight for Coyote Creek. With Are you sure? Sure as a heifer looking for a calf. Uh, when he went past the little shack behind the hotel, there was a light burning. And I seen the red patch. Uh, the widow Woman showed him the British. Then what happened? Well, uh, a minute later, this gent was tying the rock to my duds, getting ready to sink him. So, you just decided to wander outside. How'd you get caught? Why, uh, well, I was just a-closing-in on him, and then I slipped on the crick bank. Sure, sure. And this hombre turns round and kicks me right in the chin, and hard. Well, I reckon I was still out of my head when I wandered out into the street and smack dab into the sheriff. Well, I figured the sheriff would be riding toward the bar 20. He sent his men on, but he decided to come back. And, uh, speaking of coming back, looks like the sheriff's making another comeback right now. Well, uh, no chance getting you out past that mob, California. For the time being, you're as safe here as anywhere. Here's the sheriff's gun. I ain't very safe anywhere at all, Harvey. I'm scared. I've got an angle. I'll be seeing you. This is a good, strong jail. Now, don't worry. Sure wish I had a harp in here. I could start getting in a few practice licks. Those hombres sound awful, Hoppy. Now, when I come back, I'll rattle these cell bars from the outside window. Keep watching the alley for me.
11: want in, just shove the door.
10: You must be Nick Lannan. You're Your faro dealer said so I'd find you up here.
11: If you're squawking because you got cleaned out downstairs, skip it. Boot hills full of gents who made cracks about my gaming tables.
10: Yeah, I guess old Bill Ryan was the last to make himself heard. He's
11: dead, all right, and I can't say I'm sorry. Wait a minute, stranger. Just how
10: did you mean that crack? Like you think I meant it. If anyone had a reason to murder him, Lyman, you had one.
11: You're getting kind of careless, ain't you, stranger? That shooting's only a sample. Look at your right sleeve. One through there and two through your hat.
10: <laughs> well, I've got to admit it was good shooting. Which reminds me never talk to a gent again when he's got his hands out of sight behind the desk.
11: There's seven notches on the shooting iron, stranger, but there ain't none of them got there because a man was only flapping his jaw. When I kill, it's because the other gent went for his gun first. Now, if you want to start for your gun, go ahead. And if you don't, turn around and walk out peaceable like.
10: That's just what I'll do. Walk out peaceable. And thanks for the information.
11: (laughs) You didn't get any information out of me.
10: You're wrong, Lyman. And it's probably the first time in your life you're not betting on a sure thing. So long. (laughs) California. Yeah,
11: yeah, I'm still
10: here. But I wouldn't be if I was a golfer. I'm getting more to work on, California. So am I. Something awful important just happened. Look down the alley. See the little shack where the light's burning? Well, that's where the gent was standing when he tossed your duds into Kyle Creek. Yeah, and whoever he was, he must have done some thinking because he'd just come back. Where'd he go? I seen him go into the shack. Maybe now he's afraid someone who lives in that set shack saw him knock me out. The barman probably didn't think about a witness till his nerves settled. What well, it could have been the man who lives there you just saw. Oh, what I'm trying to tell you is this barman just didn't walk in. He snuck in and... Now I see what you're driving at. And the light's out, too. Oh. Now just a minute. I'll get a light. Now. Oh, there you are, friend. Oh, I... I ain't hurt too bad. Just grazed my shoulder. What happened? That's what I want to ask you. I don't know. I was just fixing my supper when this fellow rushes in, blazing away. Lucky for me, he couldn't see me too good from the doorway. I'd be a corner. Did you get a look at this fellow when he came in shooting? No, sir, but if I did, I'd be lighting out for the varmint right now, by golly. Well, maybe I can save you the trouble,
12: (laughs) Mr. Cassidy. Right now, you'd
10: better look after that shoulder of yours.
12: Mr. Uh, Cassidy. What is it,
10: Mrs. Ryan? How'd you find me here?
12: Oh, California. Down at the jail. I just left me. California, What's tell up? me. The mob's cutting down a tree. They're going to use it to batter down the jail door.
10: How much longer will it take?
12: Half an hour at most. It's horrible. I tried to reason with them, but they wouldn't even listen to me.
10: I've got just one more trick to play, and if it doesn't work, well, I... I'm
12: afraid it'll be too late. Those men are sure California killed my husband. They're wild. Where will
10: I find Sam Fleece and the banker's son-in-law?
12: He lives in the house behind the bank, but he's out of town.
10: I'm hoping he's had time to get back. Now listen carefully, Mrs. Ryan. I want you to hide right here beside this shack. There's something you will have to hear. But
12: I don't understand.
10: My friend's life may depend on it. Please do as I ask. Goodbye, Mrs. Ryan. Then I take it, Fleason, you aren't willing to make the loan to me on my face. I never heard of such a thing. First, you break in on me when I'm tired after a long trip, and you try to borrow money when it isn't even banking hours. Finally, you can't even offer any security. Well, I guess that's it, then. But I told you why I had to ask for it. My partner was carrying all our money. Well, that's too bad. But I can't do business with you. Now, if you'll leave me alone, I'll try to get some sleep. Good night, Mr. Fleason. Mrs. Ryan, where are you?
12: Over here.
10: If I've guessed right, it won't be long. Well, they got their tree cut. They'll have to trim it some before they can use it. That'll take the most time.
12: Isn't there something?
10: Wait. Yet? Listen. You hear that?
12: Someone's coming. Who is it? The man
10: who killed your husband, Mrs. Ryan. The man who tried to kill the old timer inside this shack. <gasps> he's sneaking down to the river bank now. And I know what he's after. He's not worried about being caught. Not with the whole town up at the jail. He, he's getting under the water. Yeah. All right, Sam Pleason. I can see you, but you can't see me. Just what's the idea? Kind of cold to go swimming, isn't it? And it doesn't look like you're carrying a fishbowl either. I
11: thought, if I want to go waiting. that's my business.
10: It's like old Bill Ryan was getting too close to the solution of those bank robberies, wasn't he? That's a lie.
9: You can't prove any
10: of this nonsense. You'll prove it for me, Fleeceon. In fact, you already have. What are you talking about? I asked you for a loan because someone had taken my partner's clothes with all our money in them. When you came out to this creek to try to find that money, Fleeceon, you signed your confession of the murder of Bill Ryan. Because the murderer is the only man who knew where those clothes were. Come on, Fleeceon, you're through.
11: Come and get me, Cassidy.
10: You're losing your head again, Fleeceon. Four shots at the old timer inside this shack. And one makes five. You haven't reloaded. You've got only one left. That's a bad gamble. I'm warning you. I'll take my chances, Fleason. You're an awful poor shot and you know it. Now, Fleason, I'll come and get you.
11: This gun's
4: empty, but I can sure clog you with it, Cassidy.
10: Stay away. I'm warning you. Uh, Why a dive, please, Now, up. Up you go. And down you go again. Uh, Now, we'll just hold you down until you have a change of heart about confessing.
9: And now to the conclusion of The Killer in Black.
10: I think I reckon you wanted a good night's sleep, but I ain't exactly in love with Kyle Junction. <laughs> oh, I feel all right, California, now that it's over and we got Fleason's confession. ha <laughs> ha. Well, I've got to admit, you sure look funny marching out of jail with that big rope around your skinny neck. Well, looks to me like you sure took your time of getting there. Well, just as I was telling you, the killer took four shots to murder poor Bill Ryan at close range. So all I knew for certain was he was a mighty four shot. From uh, the looks of them holes in your hat and shirt. That let out Nick Lyman the gambler. <laughs> it sure did. That was as pretty a shooting exhibition as I ever saw. And, you know, the sheriff wasn't the killer. A lawman's got to be able to shoot pretty straight, which left Sam Fleece. But the only way I could confirm my suspicions was to get him to look for your clothes where he'd tossed them into the creek. It all took time, California. Yeah, yeah, I know it did, Hoppy. Well, maybe the boys at Bar 20 will think I'm quite a dude in this black outfit of fleece. <laughs> and, you know, uh, I've been thinking... Mm-hmm. If I didn't know you so darn well, I'd suspect you wasn't goats with a killer right from the beginning. Why? Well, uh, it was just because I was dressed all in black that I had such an error escape. Yeah? Yeah. And this time riding out's the first time I can remember in ten years that you ain't been dressed all in black. <laughs> yeah? Well so it is.
4: Ha 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 ha.
9: Hoppy gets his man again, and this time it's the killer in black. Hoppy's next story concerns his visiting an old Scots friend by the name of MacDonald MacDonald and becoming a bodyguard to a French songbird who receives a note of warning threatening certain death. Hoppy calls this one coming attraction murder. So remember to be with us for another fast-moving episode of Hop Along, Cassidy. (laughs) Along Cassidy, starring William Boyd, is transcribed and produced in the West by Walter White Jr. The Killer in Black was written by Sidney S. Swirsky and Dwayne Yarnell. All stories are based upon the characters created by Clarence E. Mulford. This is a Commodore production.
1: Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Edgar Bergen, followed by X-1. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.